0: Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Last week, Pastor Stephen, uh talked about the series on confident faith. And more specifically, he talked about knowing God for yourself personally, and not just simply knowing about God. So this week, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off that, and we're going to continue on. And, uh, but really, I want to ask you guys a question before we get started. And these are not trick questions. It's just something I want to see if we're roughly on the same page. Uh, Anybody in here, do you desire a deeper relationship with Jesus? Oh, good, most of you. That's a good thing. You're in the right place. Do you desire to grow in discernment? And discernment is not just simply knowing between right and wrong, but actually knowing between right and almost right. Who here wants to grow in that? Okay, good. Many of you, too. We are on the same page. So I'm going to go to Luke 6, and we'll start the message here. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? And why don't you do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it was well built." But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like one who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the floodwaters sweep down against that house, it collapsed into heaps of ruin. Now, I know this is a very famous passage. And what I want to bring to mind in this passage, every time I read it, I think to myself, man, these people both had a need. And they both had a need to build a house. So they had the equipment, they were ready to do it. The only difference is one had the wisdom to build on the rock and one on the ground. Now, I think in today's society, I think we can really see the guy building the house on the ground is not doing a bad thing because it's going to go quick. He can just build it, put it up, and the need is done. It's instant, and there it is, right? And the guy building on the rock, what I love about this verse, where it talks about how he digs deep on the rock. Has anybody here ever tried digging into rock with no power tools? It is nearly impossible, right? And I can only imagine when the guy is building his house on the ground. He's looking at the guy just hammering away, chiseling away at this rock while his house is not being built. And must think, what is this guy thinking? He's not even starting in his house. He is building, he's trying to chisel away at this rock to lay a foundation. But scripture then here talks about without a foundation, when the floodwaters came and stuff, the other house would wash away. And again, on rock, that house is not going to move. So, I want to talk about the fundamentals today, and I want to tell you a story. And moms, most of you in here, I know you don't like football, and don't worry, I'm with you on that. But this is a football story, okay? And it is the only one I could find. That kind of, I heard it a while ago, and I thought it's quite inspirational. But I am with you on the fact is I'm not a big sports person. But the story is good. So, back in 1960, the Green Bay Packers uh, played their last championship game. And in the championship game in the fourth quarter, they lost the game. And the reason they lost the game is because they tried all these new fancy plays and they tried doing all these uh, uh, fancy tackles and stuff, which did not work out. And what happened in the end is they lost the game and they choked. So in 1961, there's a coach named Vince Lombardi. And he came on board and stuff, and he addressed his team. So the team was standing there. It's the first day of practice. He stood there, and he held up a football, and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. This is how you tackle a person. This is how we play the game of football. Now, I can only imagine how these guys felt. It's not like they're new at it. They've probably been playing the game for most of their lives. And I mean, they made it to the championship, which is better than the Jets do, I hear, these days, right? So, So they're a really good team, but they lacked in the fundamentals so what happened next they taught the fundamentals they played the fundamentals went back to basics they worked on their foundation and while they were doing this get this in the next seven years they won five championships three of them in a row and they never lost a championship game again under coach vince lombardi so the basics and fundamentals are important not just for us as christians but even the world can see it so if i can steal inspiration from the story church this is a Bible. It contains 66 books. It's divided up into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. It was written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors. This book is the authoritative word of God. It is accurate and inspired by the Holy Spirit. This word is something we can adapt every single day for our lives. And I want to share you guys a piece from our website on what we say and what we believe, and you can go read it on there too. But it says this. The Bible is God's unique revelation to all people. Under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit, human authors wrote it. As it was originally given, it is the infallible word of God and the supreme and final authority on all matters which it teaches. No other writings are vested with such authority. This Bible, and when we make a statement like this, it's not that we believe it halfway. We either believe it or we don't. And I think a lot of us, we need to come back to the basics of this. But I know for some of us here, too, we think, then maybe, why do I do this? And for you guys here, too, this is nothing new. You all probably have multiple Bibles just like me, have multiple versions. And this is a good thing. But I think sometimes we lose focus a little bit just like that team did. And we have to come back to the fundamentals. And for maybe some of you, too, it's like, man, do I really see the worth and why I read this? For me personally, why I love scripture, it is God's perfect story told, but it's written by imperfect people. And God's perfect narrative plays out with people who are imperfect. I think of people like Gideon, who was cowarding, and God used him to conquer nations. I think of Noah, and Noah was was righteous. And imagine uh, how stressful it was for him to build an ark that nobody knew it was going to come rain, but he did so anyways. I think of Isaiah, who gave his yes, and said, Lord, send me. I think of Peter, who denied Jesus three times, but yet Jesus chose him to build his church. And we see example, example after example in here of God's imperfect people people with many faults, people who are broken, that God used in his word, and we get to read this. We get to spend time in here, and we get to grow closer. When I talk about growing in discernment or going to know God better, this is how we do it. So in our society today, we will kind of be a little bit like the person, right? Like I said about building your house. And we think like, man, how can I do this quicker? How can I get into it? But you know what, there's a study by Barna, and they show that almost 30% of Christians today never open their Bibles outside of church. It just simply stays there. And that's a staggering stat. And they said that stat's only growing. Because today, today's day and age, we don't see the value in this anymore. And there's many things we can do. this, And this can be a whole message series by itself on how we can do this better. But there's two things I want to focus on today just purely for the sake of time we have here. And the first thing I want to focus on is our approach. How do we approach the Scripture? And a good word for that is method. What methods do we use to get here? Because I think sometimes we'll say, oh, I tried it, been there, done that. Oh, I've tried reading the Scripture, I just don't get it. Because sometimes for you, you look at this and you say, where do I even start? It is so big. Or I read it and it's too complicated and I don't understand what it's saying. And I think it's because our approach sometimes to Scripture, we can change. So it starts with methods. And we all have methods in our lives for many different things. Methods in how we wash the dishes. Methods in how we have fun. But I'm going to share a story here, because it's Mother's Day, about my mother-in-law. And uh, one day we walked into church here by the main entrance. My kids were there. We walk in and we walk past an elderly couple. And as we walk past the elderly couple, my son turns around and say, See you, losers. And I look at my son, I'm like, what? So we pull him aside, and I'm like, what came over you? What happened? And he he said, well, we passed them. We're the winners, we're the losers. And I'm like, that is not okay. So as any good parent, what do we do? We ask this question. Who taught you that? And he looks at us, Nana. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, there's never she would teach you this. So we approached Nana and we asked, so could you tell the kids about losers and winners? And she's like, oh, I have a story for you guys. So while they were driving back, and it was a long trip, about three hours drive, they were playing a game to keep the kids engaged because the kids, you know, need engagement. So as she's driving down the road and she passes people, she'll say, "Wherever winners, wherever the losers. So they played this game for about three hours, okay, and they were entertained, they loved it, and I'm assuming traffic was slow, right, Mom? If you passed everybody, so... But here's the conundrum I have now today. When I drive with my son and people keep passing me, he thinks I'm a loser, so if you see a cop pull me over, I'm innocent, okay? I'm trying to make my kid think I'm a winner, so that's why. But methods, right? We all have methods on how we approach something, approach something fun or anything in our lives, and in the same way, there is a method on how we spend time in the Word. So most commonly, most of us approach the Word by reading it, because we are visual learners. We'll go through this, we'll read it, and we will retain the information in here. My son is a visual learner. Uh, A couple of this is a couple of months ago. We're trying to teach him how to do math Especially fractions and he's not getting it and my wife went and she cut him some stuff to make fractions Just not getting it so one day because my wife is brilliant and smart and she is way more invested on kids than I am She got him a math book that teaches the kid how he can do this by reading it himself So we gave a math book to him and get this He does fractions now, because he's a very good visual learner. So, and this is how many of us are. We read scripture naturally, like my son. For me, though, I'm an auditory learner, okay? When when I go read a book, man, five minutes in, I am thinking of something else, I am not focused anymore, and my mind starts wandering, and I retain very little, actually, of what I've read. So I have learned that I'm an auditory learner. But I always felt guilty that I can't go to Scripture and listen to it. So, this is a while ago now, uh, it was during the prayer and fasting month. God convicted my heart. And He said, I want you to listen to the Scripture when you have free time. I'm like, okay, Lord. And again, I felt a bit uncomfortable with it. But then I, I read something online, did a study on this. Before the 1600s, most people, how they were exposed to the Word, was by listening was by people reading it, priests and monks, because Bibles just were not available as they are today. So then the Lord said, okay, I want you to start listening to it. So I downloaded an audio Bible of Audible, and that's what I'm doing now. I'm listening to the Bible more. And just a quick caveat, it doesn't replace my devotional time, but I'll get into that in a second. But see, the thing is, too, when King James translated the Bible in, uh, I think it's 1603 or something, he translated the Bible into English. Did you know he told the scholars... The Bible should sound good and apparently they would read the Bible out loud to one another so that it would sound good because most people were illiterate so when they read it to others they would understand clearly what's going on so when I've been listening to the Bible recently um, when I read I'll read a couple of chapters in a day and it's good but I kind of miss out on the overall story sometimes and by listening I can go through Scripture a lot faster so when I get in my car and I drive to work, which is not far, I'll listen to Scripture a little bit. And this last while we just went for a holiday and we're driving, I could listen to Chunks. And I was going through Genesis. And what struck me out of Genesis, listening to it, is how God cares about family. How Jacob and Esau were separated for Jacob did to Esau, and rightfully so, like Jacob did horrible things to him, but how Esau embraced him back. I and mean, then right after that, the story of Joseph, and how his brothers cast him out. And when I read scripture, I'll get stuck on pieces like the dreams and so forth, which is good things to get stuck on, and we should. But when I got the story from a, far, a further perspective, and I see how Jesus redeemed the relationship between Joseph and his brothers and his family. And this theme in Genesis starts sticking out to me by when I listen to it, about how God cares about family, and God cares about my family. So, again, when we do this, we are not, I'm not replacing now and saying, oh, when I drive to work, that's my devotional time. No, that's not what it comes down to. Let's get back to Luke 6, and I'll show you guys what I mean with this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, uh, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. He is like a person who builds a house, who digs deep. Someone building a house who digs deep and lay a foundation on solid rock. So, how do we dig deep? It is using multiple methods. It's being willing to change our methods. So, I'm an auditory learner, but I still read. So, sometimes i read my Bible, sometimes i listen to my Bible. But you know what? To dig deep, I do both. I play my audio Bible, I take my Bible, and I do both there. I also write down. I'll grab my journal, and I will write down the Lord as speaks to me. That is when we dig deep into Scripture. It's not just simply making an excuse and making it comfortable for our lives, but it's saying, Lord, how can I understand you more in this? So, and I'll make another confession to you guys, too. And it's kind of hard for me to say it here, but one of the things I struggle with in Scripture is the Psalms. And I'll be honest. When you read one Psalm, it's like reading the next 30. They're all the same. And that's how I feel going through it. And when I read the Psalms too, and I lament about this all the time in my journaling, I say, Lord, David is up and down emotionally. He's happy and sad, happy and sad, happy and sad. And it drives me bonkers. I'm like, dude, decide if you're happy, decide if you're sad, and write about that. Then I can focus on it. But I feel like I'm squirreling in my devotions. So I had a really tough time with it. I'm like, Lord, what do I do? How do I dig deep in your devotions? And you know what? I spoke to some godly people. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to listen to the Psalms. Because so I'm an auditory learner. So I listened to it, and I fell asleep in five minutes flat. Okay? <laughs> Did not work for me. And I'm like, Lord, why do I struggle with the Psalms so much? And then one day, too, I spoke to a gentleman, and he says, have you ever gotten the context for the Psalms? I'm like, well, how do I get context? He says, why don't you try and get a chronological Bible? I'm like, what's that? And my Bible actually here is a chronological Bible. And it's the normal Bible. It's just our Bibles are not written in time as things happened. So when I go to the Psalms now, and I read about David and something happened in his life, and the next Psalm he laments, and oh my goodness, did that impact my heart. All of a sudden, the Psalms became open to me. And now, I love the Psalms because I can only imagine reading the stuff, what David went through, and what Solomon all had happened, and seeing the Psalms following that, it is so much more inspirational So, I'm not changing scripture, but I'm changing my method and how I approach it. I do research, I ask people around me, and this is something I wanna say to you too. If you don't know what to do in it, come ask one of us. And we can dig in this together. We're a family here together as we do this and how we can use different methods to approach God's word. So, and something else too, I know for some of us, we wanna get into scripture and we start out and we say, man, I just, I don't know where to start. And if I might quickly just insert it here, if you start in Matthew and you get through to, you know, Matthew, Luke, John, and Mark, and all those, sometimes we get to the last gospel and we're like, I've read this three times already, and we kind of lose interest and we put it aside. Can I encourage you, if you start out in this, read Matthew, read Mark, read one of them, and then go to Acts and read the book of Acts. It's a direct follow-up to one of the gospels. And as you're doing that, maybe you want to jump to a different book, like one of the easy ends. And I'm not making up a book. It's in there. Corinthians, Ephesians, um, Philippians, all those. And I call them the easy because they're easy to get into. And again, it's a place where we can start. It's a place where we can open scripture because this word is alive and active. And the sooner we get it in our hearts and we spend time in this, we can start seeing the changes. Even though people might look at us and say, but I don't see the instant change. Just like the guy building, you have to dig that foundation into the rock. This sometimes takes time. And that is okay. But then we spend time in here and God can start giving us his revelation in his heart. And we get to know him better. So, you guys with me so far? Excellent. We're on time. Perfect. The second thing I want to talk to you about, so this method and how we approach Scripture... The second thing I want to discuss with you today is how do we read this? Because regardless of uh, the method I use, so let's just say a lot of us here, we use SMORP and uh, how we journal our Bible. And this is something that Church Renewal developed, and if you pick up a copy of a Way, it will show you in there how to do it, and they train you how to use SMORP. And unfortunately, we can't do that today here, but regardless of the method you use to get here, there's something else I want to bring up to mind, and this is why I hope you guys will get it. And if there's anything you're going to take from this morning, I pray it is this. It is how we read Scripture. And if I can sum it up in one word, it is humbly. We need to humbly come before the Lord when we read our Scripture. I think when we humbly read the Word of the Lord, misinterpretations, impatience, and all these things start going away from us because we are humbling ourselves before the Word of the Lord. I think too many times in today's society too, we think we're above it. We know more, I can Google it and I'll get my answers faster, so we don't humbly approach scripture. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this is something too I've, I've witnessed in my own life and other people's lives too, that when we come with an agenda, when I wanna prove somebody wrong, we use this sometimes, and we completely miss the point. We look at the speck, uh, in our brother's eye, and completely forgave about the log that stuck in our own eye. This is something, when we approach humbly, we can start examining our own hearts and dig deep and see what to do next. I want to share a story with you of a couple that was in my office, and um, they gave me permission to share this, but I won't name them. Uh, they came and sat down, and they had many marriage issues. But unlike other couples, when they sat down, oh my goodness, the husband, through Proverbs 31, immediately out that My wife doesn't live according to Proverbs 31. And the wife said, oh, but you don't live according to Ephesians 5. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. How am I going to keep up with this? So when they sat down, and if any of you ever come to my office and sits down, I point to a sign. And the sign in of my office says this. Um, I am not a counselor, but we can go to Jesus together. Okay? And that's because I am not a counselor. I don't know where to take you in your marriage, but we can go to Jesus together. So I encouraged this couple, okay, guys, I can see that you're in the scripture. How about we humbly approach scripture and see what God wants to say to me? Yeah, that did not work. So they both dismissed it. And uh, to make a very long story short, um, I tried helping them with a few things, but of course it didn't work, and they left my office. So about a month later, uh, two months later, husband called me up and says can he meet and when he came to my office he sat down I can see he was very uh, distraught and teary eyed and I thought man did they split up what happened and he says I was wrong I'm like what do you mean he says I was in my devotions last night and I was frustrated with my wife and she's not just a godly woman and it's her fault and I'm trying to get the word on her but she's not listening and he opened his bible and he read in Matthew 23 13 and it says this but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow for those who enter would go in. And he said, I'm a hypocrite. I tried shoving the Bible in my wife's face so I have an easier life. And he said these words, I'm a coward. So when we sat there and we prayed, and he says, Where do I go from here? And you know what we did? We went through scripture together, and I said, You know what, man? I love Romans twelve. Romans 12 is something where I can build my marriage upon. or 1 Corinthians 13, right? And he says, show me. So we went there, and he started applying things. And you know what? It was maybe a couple of months later, we can see the transformation in their lives. Because now instead of throwing the Bible into their faces, they can actually examine their own hearts in this. And their marriage was transformed, not by some amazing miracle of marital uh, advice I could give them, but simply going to this and getting back into the Bible. Because this is alive and active in our lives and applicable to everyday use in our lives if we give it the chance to do so and we approach it humbly. So there are six different things I want to show you and how I think we can approach the the Bible humbly. And the first one is, humble reading is quick to obey. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross." Church, if Jesus humbled himself and obeyed, how much more should we not do this? When it comes to scripture, when this thing says, you should forgive your neighbor, you don't have to pray about it. Let's forgive our neighbor. Is it easy? No. But we take those steps into it. And I know some of you would say, but man, this is complicated. I don't understand how to apply some of the things in my lives." That's okay. If you don't know what to start applying, let me give you some tips. 1 Corinthians 13, I just mentioned it. You can start applying that to your life. Lord, how do I love people around me better? Or maybe, let's go to Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things we can apply to our lives, and we have to do very little prayer on, God, should I do it? But change our prayers into, Lord, how do I apply this? How do I take this word, and how can I apply it to my lives? And you know what? Even things like Exodus 20. Let's go old school. The Ten Commandments. And let's just look at one. Don't commit adultery. If we would all do that one thing, can you imagine how different our world would be today? No more pornography. No more affairs. No more sex trade. Rape. Any of those things. If we take that one thing and we start applying it into our lives and we're obedient, we need to be quick to obey in Scripture instead of saying, I'll do it tomorrow oh, that's for my wife, that's not for me. But we need to look at our own lives and say, Lord, how do I apply this quickly? Number two, humble reading is complete dependence on God. Isaiah 66 says, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. Even we can look at it this way too. We need to tremble before God's word and treat this with respect and not just something else we add on but I really want to focus on here, and I don't want to intentionally ruffle feathers, but if I have to, it's okay. Sometimes we come to this and we rely on podcasts. We rely on this new offer and this amazing book, and we get filled by this guy's podcast. Oh, every week this guy's podcast comes on, I feel filled. And can I just give a danger to that? This is supposed to fill us. This is supposed to be a place we go to where this invigorates me, not somebody's podcast, not this new author's book, That comes out. We have to go back to the offer. Because this speaks life into our lives instead of relying on human interpretation of this. And again, are books bad? No. I have Audible. I have many books on there. I listen to books all the time. And podcasts, I'm not too much into them yet. But the thing is, with that, here's the thing. Are podcasts bad? No. I have many friends, godly people who listen to them. Just getting our priorities straight, this comes first. This is where we get filled, and if a podcast pushes you more into this, awesome. Keep listening to that podcast, and that is fantastic. So, and the thing too is with this, sorry, one other thing I almost forgot to say, when it comes to when we listen to other offers, or speakers, or even podcasts and stuff, uh, somebody said this the other day, and it really made me think. They said, it's not always what these people say, but it's a lot of times what these offers do not say. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not smart enough for that. When people, I don't know what to listen for in that. So also the way I can play it safe and make sure when I have God's spirit inside of me is when I come to this, because I don't have to worry about what this doesn't say. I can just take it for as it is and apply it into my life. So, number three, humble reading is being teachable. Proverbs 13:10 says, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And this is where we can start growing in discernment. This is where we can come to this and say, Lord, teach me. I want to know your ways. There's a lady I used to meet with. uh, She's since moved out of the province. uh, But I quickly emailed her and asked her to share this story. But what she would do is she would come to my office. She was in her 80s. And I was perplexed why she came and saw me. Uh, But she said she just wants to pray with me. And I said... You have such a wisdom and discernment. Where did where'd you get that? Is that a gift that God gave you? And she said she always wanted discernment. She always wanted wisdom. And she prayed, and one day, another lady came to her and shared something very simple. Every day, she would go to the book of Proverbs, and whatever the date is, she would read that proverb. So today's the 14th. I bet you tonight she will read Proverbs 14. And she says she plows through the Proverbs. Does she do it every night? No. But she does that above her devotions. Above her time, right before she goes to bed, she dives into God's Word. And she said she's been spending time with Proverbs, and every time she goes through it, she can feel more of that settling into her heart. And again, that's another method, right, of how we can approach God's Word, is saying, okay, I'm going to go to bed tonight. Instead of watching YouTube on my phone or, again, a podcast, how about we take in a proverb? That God can speak to us. And there's many other books too of the Bible we can go to for that. But number four, oh uh, I keep forgetting one thing too. One thing my wife has been doing with our kids with discernment, parents, because we just dedicated some beautiful kids here. We can be discernment detectives with our kids. Whenever something comes up in a movie or show we watch, we can bring it back to scripture. What does the Bible say about that? Where do we take our kids from and we can be discernment detectives with them? Number four, humble reading is putting others' interests before ours. And that's already the story I told you guys earlier. But Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing in a selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more better than yourselves. So this is, again, something we can come to like that couple did, when my husband realized I was just trying to change my wife for my own benefit. Number five, humble reading is checking your heart. Psalms 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me into a way everlasting. And again, in today's world too, right? We say, trust your feelings. That's Star Wars. And that's Luke Skywalker, okay? That is not the Christian lifestyle we live. Scripture shows us that our heart is most deceptive. It's actually coming into this and not following my heart or my feelings, but aligning my heart and my feelings what Scripture goes. Wherever scripture goes, I say, Lord, let my heart and my feelings align with this. And it is amazing with certain things when we're like, oh, I don't know how to feel about this. When we spend time in God's word, God will change our feelings. And I say, Lord, can you show me your heart? Whatever makes your heart weep, let my heart weep after the same things. Number six, humble reading is leaving margin to grow. So Pastor Stefan talked about this last week, and this is straight where this point comes from is we need to leave margin to grow in this when i say i'm only going to read my bible or listen to my bible and wait to work where's the margin to grow if i say you know i just have you know i'm going to squeeze in my the bible reading right here but i don't leave other margin to grow we will never grow in this when i do my devotion sometimes it is 20 minutes sometimes it's an hour because i don't know what god's going to do but i give god the time and margin to grow so that I spend time with the word, he is an opportunity to speak to my life. Again, Luke 6, 47. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. We need to give a time for him to follow in that, that we can follow up with the Lord. and Say, Lord, what do you want to change in my heart? And the thing I think with this too is, sometimes we try to get through God's word, instead of getting God's word, through us. So we try to get through it, sometimes we miss because we don't do anything. But when we sit down and say, God, how can this soak inside of me? Can you show me? So I want to close off this sermon with a story of Yin Pham. And I think some of you might already know it. But he was a translator for evangelists back in the Vietnam War. And while he was out there and he was translating for people, the war was finished. He was actually captured because he was known to be a, a sympathizer for the Westerners. He spoke English. He had a Bible on him. So he was sent to prison. And in prison, they instantly took anything off him that was written in English, which included his Bible, and he was stuck in prison there. So as he was in prison, they gave him communist propaganda, and they said, If you read this, and you agree with us, and you denounce all your Western ways, especially the Christianity, we will let you go. So he didn't. He prayed every day, and he said, Lord, I'm going to hold the line." But as he was doing this, after a time of all the propaganda he got from the communist, he started questioning, Lord, was what the evangelist said really real? Lord, are you really real? And as he sat there and he, uh, they were tortured and they were doing it was really horrible circumstances, he they, they keep getting bombarded with this. And after a while, he started doubting. And he says, Lord, tomorrow I'm going to stop praying. I can't take this anymore. I'm going to stop praying. So the next day came and they gave him latrine duty because every morning they get some duties to do. And latrine duty is the worst possible job in this prison because you get to go and clean out all the buckets, all the toilets by hand. So he's doing this and he's cleaning out the toilets. And as he's cleaning the toilets, he found a piece of paper in there and he saw in the corner of his eye it was in English. So he grabbed it and he cleaned the excrement off it, he washed it, put it in his pocket. And that evening we laid in his bunk cell. He had a small light. And he opened it up and he read it. And it was from Romans 8. It said this. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. Who did not also with him graciously give all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God of Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you imagine in prison reading that after you've been tortured, after you're saying, Lord, I'm going to give up. So he said, Lord, I am sorry. I will follow you. I will not denounce you. And you know what happened the next day? He said... I volunteer. I want to do latrine duty. And he did latrine duty. You know what he found the next day? Romans 9. Because here's the thing. The guards were using any English literature as toilet paper. So they were using the Bible as toilet paper. And he thought to himself, this is brilliant. If I do latrine duty, I will go every day. I will clean this up because I am being fed God's word. And that's what he did. I'm going to fast forward. After a while, they were let go out of prison, but they were still stuck in the country, and him and a bunch of people were trying to flee the country, so they built a boat. And the day before, they were going to escape. The day before, four Viet Cong Cong guards came to him, and they plowed him against a wall and said, we heard a rumor you're going to escape. And he says, no, 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 we're not trying to escape. And they say, we heard this, and if this is true, we're going to send you back to prison. And he says, no, 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 we're not trying to escape and stuff. And the guards left him. And as they left, the Holy Spirit confronted him again and said, so why did you lie? Why did you lie to these guards? Am I not greater? So he confessed. And he says, Lord, please send those guards back. Please send them back so I can confess and speak your truth. The next morning, the day they're going to escape, moments before they get on the boat, those four guards came back. And again, they held them down. We heard a rumor, you have a boat, and you're going to escape. No, uh, so you're going to escape. And he says, yes. Yes, we are. We're going to escape. That's the plan. And the four guards look at him and says, can we come with you? (laughs) Because they were also trying to escape this terrible country. And the thing is, you know what happened after that? there was a big storm on the sea. And those four Viet Cong guards were expert sailors. And Yin Pham tells the story, if it wasn't for those four guards, we would have perished at sea. Because they had the experience to guide the boat back to shore where none of us had that experience. How amazing is God and how he works, right? So even a person like Yin Pham, that can completely, completely lose his way because he was cut off by this. But once he found it. So church, this is my question for you today. Are we humbly reading the Bible every day? Are we taking this and saying, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Like I said, for Yin Pham, who was a strong Christian, it only took some time before the enemy started poisoning his mind. Before the enemy took root in his heart and he started disbelieving everything else. Because this is foundational and core to our lives. So... As we go through this, and we put the pieces back together. In this dark world we live in today, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet. This word in this world today, we don't know how to approach, lights our path and lights our way. So my challenge to you, again, we go to Luke 6. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and follows it. He is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it was built well. So my challenge to you is this summer. Summer is here, and summer is wonderful, right? And summer, so many of us, we struggle to come back to this. But can I encourage you to change your methods? Maybe you should make a fire early in the morning and go out and spend time on the Word of God by the fireside. Maybe there's something else. I don't know what it is. That's what I do sometimes in the mornings. I make a fire, go outside, spend time on God's Word, and then shower and come back to church here. I don't know what God's going to speak to you in this, but I want to give you an opportunity this morning where we're going to pray and say, Lord, what should I change in my life? Lord, I want to listen. I want to dig deep into this. What method do you need to change in my heart? And Lord, is there anywhere in this where I don't humbly approach this, but I kind of push this aside? I know we don't do it willingly. We do it because life is busy, but church, We cannot afford not to spend daily time in this. Our time is short. I know we don't have a lot of time, but we're running a time very fast. So I'm gonna pray for you and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, what does he want you to do next? What is the next step for you this summer? And a method you can change? Or to someplace we where humbling you to put scripture, scripture differently? So Jesus, I thank you so much this morning we can come before you and Lord first of all I want to confess that I don't put enough emphasis on your word that Lord I push your word aside and I'd rather listen to somebody else I confess that and Jesus I ask you this morning during this summer during this next year is there a method you want to change Lord maybe I need to get started where should I get started Jesus I ask, Holy Spirit, would you please speak to us now? Would you give each one of us here now that next step of where we need to go in your word and how we can grow closer to you? And I thank you for that.